Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to When the Wind Blows. This is an epic podcast for parents, teachers, leaders, and anyone vested in the world of education. I am Erin Barnes, the host of the show, and today I have Kristen Disney with me as my co-host. Kristen is a little bit of an edu hero to me. Um, she, man, she just kind of takes things and runs I with them. Stop it, Siri. Um, she takes things and runs with them and and takes an idea that somebody has and then says, you know what? I love that idea. I'm going to make it epic. And so, Kristen, welcome to the show. Uh, sorry to make you have to live up to that intro. Um, <laughs> but thank, I have, you. thank you so much for having me today, Erin. I have no I, I have no doubt you, you will live up to that intro. Um, well, tell me, like, who are you? How long have you been at Epic? And then what made you take the leap to come to Epic? Well, um, I'm an educator. I've been an educator for all my career. I taught in public schools for several years before I started having a family. And then once my children were born, it was really hard for me to send them to school. So I started homeschooling them. And then once I needed to go back to work, I realized that Epic would be the perfect fit for that because then I get to also work with students who work and learn from home. So that's been something super important for me. Um, I've been with Epic now five and a half years and just about every single one of those years has been as a teacher and only just recently have I moved into an admin role as a director of specialty courses for this next year. Um, and I'm super excited about that. Okay. And this is something I'm super pumped about. So for what it's worth, you know, my daughter was in your, your class last year, but for the world, my daughter was in your, uh, reading detective class and for, she loved it. She loved it so much, except for it happened during the lunch hour of my house. And so she ended up working her way out and I apologize about that, but I don't know if you know this because I don't think we've ever circled back. Her reading level went up tremendously last year. Right. It's really important for those students to learn to just take that content and find the information they're looking for. So um, my Epic Live class was called a detective club class, and we loved it because we used our detective skills to just hound out those um, those standards that we were looking for in content. And so she I mean, I'm probably going to horrify people here, but we listened to Crime Junkie podcast. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Horrified the world, but they, it's like, that is semi a detective type show. They're taking these cases that have already happened and they're like rehashing it. And, and a lot of times they have like new questions or details and then they catch a killer. Um, and, and one of the things that you were doing in that class was like looking for context clues and looking for these little details that gave the overall picture and, um, and so it was kind of like right up her alley. Like she loves that stuff. Yeah. Each week we solved a crime and it was a, not the type of crime that you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> it was more who stole the necklace, right. or which was the biting spider, you know, that bit the, the lady who was cleaning out her garage. But we used our clues to figure out what, um, suspect was, um, guilty of the crime. 
So it was really fun. The kids really enjoyed it. And I loved it because I presented the content to them before class. So a lot of students really took it to heart. They got family members involved and siblings involved. And when they came to class, they had um, a lot to talk about. Yes. They really felt invested in this class. No, it, it really was. I mean, so awesome. And not just fun and engaging, but I mean, it actually impacted her, her overall reading. And so that was huge. So your director of specialty courses, tell me how this has evolved because you were like gen one epic live teacher. And now to we've realized we need this, this across the scale. Tell me what director of specialty courses is and, and what kind of is your scope? Okay, so uh, as a director of specialty courses, um, I work with the World Languages Department. I work with the Epic Live Teacher Cooperative. It's like learning groups. And I work with um, the new math department. And how this whole department kind of came about is that um, we learned that cooperative learning in a live setting with students is what our students crave. Um, So many of our students um, learn in silos. They're kind of by themselves at home and they're missing that um, collaborative learning with their peers. And they really want to hear from teachers who know and are passionate about that particular subject. So the Epic Live Cooperative is a teach to enrollment program um, when it started because it was an opportunity for teachers who wanted to teach a class such as me who taught the detective club class I would teach that for any kid on any teacher's roster who was participating and then in turn my students got to attend other classes that they were interested in but then we started to really grow because the ELL department started to use our platform gifted and talented started to use our platform and we really saw a need to stretch these into subject content areas to really hit those math standards reading standards, writing standards, and we wanted to make sure that this live instruction continued um, throughout our whole school. So, so I love this. And listeners know if they've, if they've been longtime listeners, like I, I really suck at early childhood education, like teaching kids to read. Whenever I was in, in the brick and mortar classroom, they came to me knowing how to read. I was fifth grade, you know, and, and so they already knew how to read and we were just honing those skills. But teaching how to read was difficult. Uh, and, and I was a whole language learner. So teaching phonics didn't make sense to me at all. Matter of fact, uh, at graduation, um, I read all the names uh, for the Oklahoma City graduation, and they would hand me a card, and on the back they had written it out phonetically, and I was like, you know what, I, I really don't know how to break this down. <laughs> I'm a whor- I'm horrible. So, like, as as a teacher, I knew I was kind of failing those littles, and so having someone like you, and I can I I can sign up and I can teach a course where I know the content where I am you know more than capable but that I could rely on someone to teach those phonics skills for me. Uh that was huge. It was game changing. Yes, I have a similar experience as you. I, I teaching to read was something I'm not familiar with. And then even like the high school math content 
well, I know I've learned that stuff. It's somewhere in the back of my brain and I don't know where all that information is. And it takes me a little bit of time to refresh my memory and to pull those files out and dust the dust off so that I can teach a student algebra two concepts or parabolas, functions. So it really helps when a teacher can come in and prepare a lesson, teach it one hour a week or multiple times a week, and then um, really get that that tank filled because I know uh, I'm also fifth grade kind of teacher. Fourth, fifth grade is my wheelhouse. And there, there is nothing else that gives me joy than to teach those little fourth and fifth graders. And so when I can um, anticipate those weekly meetings with that group of students, it really, really makes me feel empowered as a teacher. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan at looking at unintended consequences like you know what are the unintended consequences of the pandemic and and last week I um I helped with VBS at my church and saw a giant group of three and four year olds playing alone and not interacting with each other and I thought wow the last year and a half of their life this this giant collaborative playtime has been spent in isolation and that's that's maybe an unintended consequence of the pandemic. But one of the unintended consequences of the last 10 years of, of doing this uh, virtual, you know, sort of in person, you know, at, at, at least once a month, sometimes once a week, depending on, you know, who, who you have and what you've set up, is that every single year at graduation, and I've gotten to attend every one of them, um, you hear it in one of the valedictorian speeches, you know, we don't know each other, but here we are. This was the first year, seven gradu- six graduations, only one speech talked about not knowing each other. And, and so one of the unintended consequences is that our kids don't know each other, but I think that you have had a huge hand in changing that because these kids are starting to know each other. They are forming these collaborative groups. They are showing up to these classes and, and getting to know each other. And what a great thing that has come out of that. Absolutely. So um, a lot of my students have always participated in these collaborative learnings. And even my own daughters, I know your children um, go to Epic and my children do too. But I have a senior this year. She's going to be in her senior year. And she went um, to graduation this past um, week also. And um, she loved seeing all those seniors graduate. And she's part of the ENN network, which is the Epic News Network. And that's another collaborative learning opportunity because they meet multiple times a week and they hash out news stories and projects together as a team. And they do a lot of problem solving. And the whole time we were at graduation together, she was covering, taking photographs. And I was um, volunteering as a staff member. Um, She kept saying, mom, next year, I'm going to get all my friends. We're going to go to graduation together. We're going to make sure we register for the same ones because I want to graduate with my friends. And I'm just so excited for her because she does have a network of friends. Yeah. And she's excited to get to graduate with her peers this year, this the end of this next year. Yeah. Well, the reason I wanted you on the show, and we are now like 10 minutes in and haven't even spoken about it yet, but the reason I wanted you on the show is because when you were, and I know you're you're still teaching, and I'm putting that in air quotes because you kind of have a department now, but, um, but you and I both started here as teachers, and, you know, somebody, <clears throat> I was asking a couple of years ago, you know, who is just the best at doing this ILP and setting the expectations for the year, and your name kept coming up. Um, 
And I told you that and you were like, whatever, you know, but, but your name kept coming up because year over year, Kristen, you do such a good job with your kiddos, but it's because you have upfront frank conversations. You set expectations. You do pivot, but only when necessary, not with trends. And, and so I really appreciated you for that and, and wanted to have like kind of a, you know, custom discuss. What was your process? What do you do? What do you tell kids? And so let's get into the meat of that conversation. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we've honed in some of the choice, but, but choice is, I mean, the sky's the limit here. You know, we've got the eight core curriculums, but gosh, if you can find it on Amazon and it's not, you know, going against uh, the state of Oklahoma's code, then you can use it to teach. And, and um, so with all the flexibility uh, that we have for kids, how do you set goals for kiddos? Um, and are they a part of that goal setting process? Absolutely. They are a part of that process. We can't set a goal without that child in mind. And I really want them to take ownership with what their dreams and their goals are. And going to college, we're going straight into the workforce. Those are going to determine the path that is most important for them. I also talk with the family and the student as to what their learning style is, because I have a lot of students that were on my roster that do not do well in an online environment all day, every day. And so then that case, we have to move to some offline opportunities for them to learn. Um, A lot of my students need to learn in collaborative groups. So that's also then again, when we start mentioning some of the math department classes or the Epic Live classes. So the student is 100% involved. The parent is completely involved. And we have this relationship building process where we get to the meat of what their big goal is. And then we start to set expectations to make sure that we meet that goal. Yeah. Uh, I love, I love the ILP time. And I mean, especially, uh, if the kid is brand new, I mean, and sometimes when the kiddo has been on your roster for several years, but like, Hey, what'd you do all summer? And what part of what you did all summer can I incorporate into your school year? And, and what, what are your hobbies? And, and, you know, when you get free time, what is it that you're doing? And so I can try to start taking little nuggets of that and bringing it into their school year so that, I don't know, part of it is keeping things relevant, you know, but, but also, I mean, I know both of my kiddos want to be doctors. One of them wants to be an orthodontist and the other one wants to be a plastic surgeon. And she says, not the gross kind. So I don't know what kind of plastic surgeon isn't the gross kind, but, um, <laughs> but anytime we've got writing assignments, anytime I can find a way to incorporate those things into their daily work, I'm going to. Yeah, that is a great point. And I do that too. I like to hone in what their passions are because everybody has to write. That's an Oklahoma standard. Yeah. That's non-negotiable. You have to write. But what you write about is really flexible and um, how that communicates and lives through some of your passions is where it really becomes meaningful and relevant to the student. For sure. So do you have non-negotiables? Are there things that you're like, all right, so I hear you and you've selected this and you've selected that, but now I need you to also know there's this, this, and that. Are there non-negotiables that you talk about at the ILP? Absolutely. So here at Epic, we have Epic Essentials, which is really great for those students that need um, that consistent um, 
conditioning. Um, I'm thinking a lot about the Olympics these days. And, you know, those athletes, they are trying to prepare and train. And there's a conditioning that every athlete goes through where you have to daily practice, daily build those core strengths. And Epic Essentials can really take that um, to another level. Um, I definitely make that a priority. Staying on pace is a big thing. Um, when I think of athletes of any kind, a coach never goes to you and says, how many times a week do you want to train this week? <laughs> it's got to be a standard, right? right. <laughs> You've got to do work daily. Now, whether that works in a workbook or on the computer, that's flexible. But daily, yes, that's non-negotiable. It's got to be daily because at the end of the day, we have to accomplish what we set out to do. At the end of the week, we have to make strides. And by the end of the semester, we have got to finish up core and we've got to get moving to the next semester. That way at the end of the year, we have finished the race strong. Right. Um, that is a huge non-negotiable. Um, I insist that all my students stay up on daily reading, all kinds of things like that. And then I use a program called Seesaw. If you're a teacher and have never heard of this program, you've got to go check it out. Just search Seesaw on um, the internet. And it is a digital um uh, portfolio, portfolio for students who have offline work as a teacher who has a lot of students that like to do offline content. It's hard for me to keep tabs on that, to make sure that students are doing a lesson a day, like requested and, um, students can just upload their assignments for me to do quick checks. So those are big non-negotiables. Any of those that kind of get broken, that's when I step right back in and we get right back to our goal setting and we make sure that we're on the same page and then we start fresh again and we get going. And so I've, I've used the Google Drive instead of Seesaw and teaching them how to upload that content. But that's about the only place we really differ right there. Like, uh, it's good to know that I was kind of on the same page as greatness. Uh, I mean, as Kristen, that's what I meant to say. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, that That is super important. And I love the way you said that about an athlete and, and using the Olympics to bring it in. I mean, my daughter was a gymnast and four days a week for some days, four hours, most days, five hours at a time. Uh, she was in the gym doing gymnastics and that's, it's a huge amount of time, but the first hour of every single one of those days was conditioning and you condition so that you don't get hurt. You condition so that you don't get gaps and, um, and what a great way and an easy way to explain that to a little athlete. Yes. And one other thing that I think is important is that um, this can't be crash course. I always explain this to my students. This cannot be crash course. You have to be slow and steady and you have to be consistent day after day. You can't wait until the final two or three weeks of the semester and just get it all knocked out then because you're not going to retain any of the information yeah. and the quality of understanding is just not going to be there. Especially for some of those classes that are foundational classes. Like you need this class to be able to do next year's class, you know. Uh, for things like, I don't know, maybe zoology, uh, if you're not going into, you know, uh, the study of animals, crashing, I mean, it's not the greatest as far as retention, like you just said, but it's not a foundational class. Whereas Algebra 1 and, um, and your Englishes, I mean, those are foundational and you're always building upon those skills. And so if, if <clears throat> Excuse me. If you're crashing those courses and not learning, you're you're creating gaps. Um, that's huge. You know, Sal Khan has said, uh, and eighty percent is great, 
but what 20% didn't you get? And is that going to create more gaps if we don't go back and, and follow up? So that's awesome. Um, now you participate in the Epic Live classes. Do all of your students attend Epic Live classes? And how do you have conversations about that? No, not all of my students participated in Epic Live classes. It's more of an individual goal that we met um, or decided upon for each student. Um, and and I would definitely make it a requirement for students that I knew needed that. Yeah. Um, and then also to um, ask them what they wanted to do. But it's definitely not for everyone. Um, I think that um, it has to be something that students want to participate in because filling some of those seats is important and we don't want to um, take take attendance away from other students that really need and want those classes. So that's a conversation I would have individually with each student and we would determine what's best for them. And so then if they choose to do Epic Live and get uh, a once a week or, or some of them, I mean, are, are more often than that, um, how do you decide um, how much weight that carries in their grade book? And then are they, are they attending uh, you know, their ingenuity math class, if they're attending Epic Live, how do you decide um, how to weight those and, and uh, replace things? So the weight is there. Um, I definitely give them credit for attending that type of thing, especially if this is part of their plan, their academic plan. Um, and then as far as like, um, them continuing their core for the Epic Live, it's more of a supplementary program. So their core is so important for them to do. It's their practice. And those Epic Live classes really are more instructional and collaborative learning. So they don't take the place of any of the practice or mastery that they're doing elsewhere. So um, it definitely works together in tandem with one another. And we make sure that both pieces are together in that. I love it. Um, Kristen, how do we get kids more excited and engaged in learning? I mean, you know, I hear I hear families talking about my kiddo is checked out and, you know, maybe this isn't for us. I hear teachers talking about kiddos that are checked out. How do we get them to check back in? You really have to find their passions. Students like to know that you care about what they're passionate about. Like you said earlier today, I love that. What are they doing in their free time? And tie that into their schoolwork. And definitely give them the ownership that they're in charge of this. Because ultimately, I'm not going to earn their diploma for them. They have to earn it themselves. And I love how Epic is personalized and individualized. So that can look different for every student. And I want to make sure that they know that they have ownership in that. And then we try to find successes along the way. And we celebrate every single one of those because they're all important. And all of those little successes are going to equal up into a successful career or adult or person once they finally graduate and turn 18. My daughter, like I said, is going to be 18 this year and is about to graduate. And it has been so fun watching her turn into a little adult. She is just so excited and she's going to be a great adult. And I feel like um, Epic contributes to that because it hasn't been an in the box kind of brick and mortar education. Her electives have been driven by her. She's taken ground school for flying as one of her electives. Um, She's taken photography for several years. Some of these um, have just been really great opportunities for her to just see her own goals outside of a prescribed brick and mortar 
schedule. Now, she took the ground school. Uh, I've taken that course. I took it at TCC. Uh, is she planning on becoming a professional pilot? No, it was kind of a hobby that she was really kind of interested in. And she loved ground school, but that's kind of got put on hold. Photography has really taken a front seat well, right for, there. So for we what it's worth, just a bit, and now we're doing photography. <laughs> so the reason I asked for what it's worth, uh, Having that ground school class will get you some of the skills you need to be able to do FAA certified drone photography. And so if you ever wanted to, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a more condensed class for somebody who's taken aviation courses. I think that's definitely on her um, idea plan there. She loves taking pictures of um, uh, landscapes and animals and stuff. And so she really loves taking nature pictures. So we're, we're kind of navigating some of those ideas right now. We're trying to get some through some concurrent enrollment classes. And so those are fun too. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you were to give advice to students that are brand new this coming school year, what advice are you giving them? Open up to your teacher and tell them exactly what you want to do in your life. And it doesn't have to be, I want to go to college or what your career is going to be, but tell your teacher what you're passionate about today, what excites you, what gets you motivated, because your classes and your assignments can definitely be tailored. It's definitely something that can be tailored to your interests and um, your um, passions in life. So definitely open up to your teacher and communicate with your teacher. Because um, while we have non-negotiables such as standards covery and EPIC essentials and reading daily, we definitely have a lot of flexibility at EPIC. So if there's something that just really, really is interesting to you that you want to add or that you want to pivot and change just a little bit, we can definitely do that here at EPIC. Okay. Now, you are a parent and you've been a teacher. What pieces of advice do you have for parents this year? Also communicate with your teacher. <laughs> communicate with your teacher. This isn't just a teacher-driven education. I love how Epic is more of a family-based unit where the teacher comes alongside the family and you work together as a team for the child's whole benefit, not just for standards mastery. It's about creativity and wellness. And we want to make sure that the entire child and the family unit has been loved on and cared for through this epic family. So it's no secret that we gained a lot of students because of the pandemic last year. I mean, we, we gained 3,000 students in uh, a week and a half uh, this time last year. Um, as these families are deciding to go back to their you know neighborhood school up the street, we, we are surveying them and What's contributing to you going? And a lot of them had no idea of the expectation of family involvement. Uh, I mean, that, that's the biggest bulk of the why we're leaving. We, we were not prepared to do this, and we are not prepared to continue to do this. We had no idea of the expectation. And so what, um, what was the parent's role on as your co-teacher how did you decide I mean how did you tell the parents like this is your portion of this and and this is my portion of this 
So the parents have a huge portion. They are actually, and I, I even tell them this, you're their first teacher because you're the teacher that's sitting at the dining room table with them, making sure that they've eaten breakfast and that they have their pencil in hand and that the computer or TV is off if they're doing offline work or if the noise in the background has been muted. And you're the one that's going to help them through problem number three on the spot if they get stuck. And they can't be an absentee parent. You kind of have to be available because the student can't have that kind of access to their teacher all the time. There has to be um, that that parent as their first teacher right then and there. And then as a teacher, my role is to be there at least an hour a week, if not more, for when the student needs extra assistance and to make sure that all assignments have been completed and graded as as required. But um, the teacher and the parent, um, we always have a relationship together. Um, A lot of times my parents will contact me and say, okay, prepositions. It was an assignment that came up today. I had no idea how to explain it. What we did together was really difficult, and it just did not go well. That's when I step in and say, okay, let me take this from you here. I'm going to send you a resource, or I'm going to meet with your student, and we're going to work on this together. But I can't know that this type of problem occurred unless I get feedback from the parents when this happened. So it's definitely a communication here. We have to make sure that we're communicating and that we are um, collaborating together to make sure that the student has the resources they need. Um, You had mentioned turn the things, turn the distractions off. Um, I do turn on one thing in my house is because uh, the the kids hate the lack of noise sometimes. Um, and so I found a YouTube channel that my kids initially used to like, ah, this music, but now they're like, mom, will you turn on the study music? And so I'm linking it in the show notes. It's uh, lo-fi study beats. Uh, I don't know how I stumbled upon them, but, um, it's live and always going. Um, anyway, so they're in there. If, if you guys need some background noise, but not like the television or, you know, I don't know. I, I just, I, I, as a, as a mama, I know I would need to not look over my kids the whole time. So I might have a television show going in the background and try to play it low, but even though, you know, if I giggle, my kids are like looking up and around or if the show does something, you know. Um, so just having that those study beats on keeps the calm in our house. Yeah. And every student requires something different. Some yeah. kids need to learn outside. Some kids have to have headphones on. Whatever it is that your student or your child needs to be successful in their learning environment, the parent has to make sure that that is in place so that they can have a successful day of learning. My youngest is a kinesthetic learner and I haven't quite figured all of her things out yet, but we have started doing a standing desk and that has been huge. Uh, you know, standing desks are kind of trendy in the adult world. Um, and I don't know if we have them, why not allow our kiddos to have them? And it's, it's made a huge difference for her staying on track and, and just being able to wiggle and move without, like wiggling and moving and being distracting. Um, so figuring out what works for your kiddo is huge. Yeah. A- anything else that, that educators or families or teachers need to know about you or the ILP or setting expectations? 
Um, I do know that the ILP is new this year. It's coming through PowerSchool. And um, as a parent, I just went through the ILP process with my students, a teacher this year, because now that I'm an admin, I can't be their teacher. But um, the process was smooth. It's really not bad. It's going to be great. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So um, it's going to be a smooth process. I think this transition is going to be great. Good. I'm meeting with my teacher tomorrow, so we'll see how that goes. I'll be like, Kristen told me it was easy. Why, why is this so hard? No, I'm just kidding. It's not hard. It's easy. <laughs> well, Kristen, thank you so much for coming on the show, for giving us everything that you have in your head and, uh, and helping us learn how to talk about expectations. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Well, that is all the time we have. Uh, Tune in next week where we are rethinking how leadership and education can better prepare the next generation for a rapidly evolving world.